everyone, this is Chad Harms, and you're listening to Testimony, a podcast telling the stories of how and why people became Christians. On today's episode, you'll hear from Ryan Welsh about how the podcast The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill made him feel, how the end of his time at that church was scary, and why that ending didn't ruin his faith, but maybe even strengthened it. You'll also hear about how he tried to leave Mars Hill earlier by coming up with a plan to work with me. At the end of this episode, you'll hear a testimony submitted to me by one of our listeners. It is a great story, so make sure you stay to the end to hear it. As always, I'd love for you to share your story of becoming a Christian with me. You can do that by going to testimonypodcast.com and filling out the form. It would also be great if you used that form to tell me about someone whose testimony I should share on the show. I'd even love to hear about your dream guest. I've reached out to a couple of mine and would be interested to know who yours are. Before we get to the rest of my conversation with Ryan, I want to make sure that you know that this bonus episode is meant to be listened to in conjunction with the full-length episode that told of how and why Ryan became a Christian. It is an amazing story of God working through depression, the prayers of Ryan's mom, and a young life camp. It came out a couple of weeks ago, and if you haven't listened to it, you should hit pause on this episode and listen to that one first. That is how the schedule for this show works. A full-length episode comes out on the first Tuesday of the month, and a bonus episode with more content from the same guest comes out two weeks later. Next month's story is that of Jeremy Williams. Jeremy is the director of discipleship at Love Squared. He's also a Christian speaker and runs retreats for pastors, business leaders, and groups. Here's a clip of the episode that will come out on June 7th. Pretty soon they invited me to something called College Young Life. And I honestly, I was scared to death. Like I, here I am, I've never been a part of a youth group ever. Never, no Young Life, no FCA, no, no church youth group. And they invited me to this thing called College Young Life in Salem. And I remember as I was walking up the steps, it was at this big sorority house that was close to Willamette University. Uh, and I was walking up the steps, my heart was beating super fast because I thought I'm gonna open the door I'm going to walk in. I don't know anybody except Amy and Elise who are standing next to me. Somebody's going to ask me a religious question I don't know the answer to, and I'm going to feel stupid. That's what was, I was running all those scenarios in my head. You don't want to miss the rest of that story, so make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, before I play my conversation with Ryan, I need to give you a little bit of background information. First, him and I are good friends. We played baseball together in college. I was a groomsman in his wedding. He was a groomsman in my wedding. We don't see each other as much anymore, but we've stayed connected through the years. And I think the fact that both of us are pastors has allowed us to stay close despite being separated by time and distance. I share this with you because I'm going to play a big part of our conversation without much editing. I think it is better that way. And knowing about our friendship is the only way that it will make sense. You also need to know that everything you're about to hear is centered around Mars Hill Church. For those of you that don't know the story of this church, here's what Wikipedia says. Mars Hill Church was a Christian megachurch founded in 1996 by Mark Driscoll, Leif Moy, and Mike Gunn. It was a multi-site church based in Seattle, Washington, and grew from a home Bible study to 15 locations in four U.S. states. At the end of September 2014, an investigation by the church elders found bullying and patterns of persistent sinful behavior by Driscoll. The Mars Hill Network dissolved on January 1, 2015. The story of this church was recently detailed in a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. This came up some in the full episode with Ryan. Hopefully you've already heard it, but I want to play some of those parts again. I moved from Oregon to Seattle 
to a a church in Seattle to uh, be one of their lead pastors at a multi-site church. Um, and just because this is such a big deal right now, I'll just say, cause people are going to be like, is it really? Yeah, it is. It was that church. <laughs> it was, it was that place. It was, it was Mars Hill. Okay. So for those of you that don't know Mars Hill, it was a mega church in Seattle that closed its doors in 2015. When Ryan says that it is a big deal right now, he's referring to the fact that the story of Mars Hill was recently detailed in a podcast done by Christianity Today. That podcast went viral. It reached number three on the charts for Apple Podcasts in the religion and spirituality category, and number 92 overall. Many of you will recognize this. You're listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I want to play a couple of clips from that podcast that are about Ryan. If you don't know the story, they won't make sense at first, but Ryan's description will make them make sense. I'll play that in just a minute. A second letter had been submitted as well. This one from nine current pastors at the church, essentially echoing and amplifying the concerns of the first. Ryan Welsh, one of the noble nine who wrote a letter in August 2014, planted Redeemer Eastside with Gary Shavey. Now here's Ryan's description of what he did at Mars Hill and of that letter you just heard about. So I'm from Seattle. That's where I grew up. I moved back to Seattle and I started working at Mars Hill to be a, a lead pastor at one of their one of their 15 churches ended up planting Marcel Phoenix. Um, a year into that, maybe a half year into that, I started feeling uneasy about being at Mars Hill because of all of the things. And if people are listening and they don't know what this is about, you can look it up and have, have fun. Um, and so, so I decided that I couldn't do it anymore. And so moved back, I stayed with the the church, but moved, told them I couldn't do this job anymore and that I was going to leave. So they moved me back up to Seattle. Um, long story short, me and a group of guys felt strongly enough to write a letter to the elders. We ended up getting fired for it. We knew we would. Um, and then Mars Hill, the, the whole church kind of folded shortly after that. Okay. With these things in mind, Here's more from my conversation with Ryan Welsh. That's great. I, so I've already billed you as one of the noble nine. So you uh, you didn't have to beat around the bush because, uh, frankly, it's because of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. You know this. Like that's that's like the most culturally relevant part about you. I don't think it's the best or anything, right. but it's marketable. Um, You're right. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, what's interesting about that from, you know, for, because I know you and listen to that podcast, uh, it's just how you look good now looking back. Right. But that had to be one of the hardest times in your life. Uh, and you know, I just actually looked up your, uh, what you wrote on your Facebook page or something the other day. Quick pause. What I'm referring to here is a Facebook post Ryan made in September of 2014, right after he'd been fired from Mars Hill. We're going to post that in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. But in it, he states some of his convictions about the church. He talks about his concerns, talks about his commitments, and then just kind of says, we don't know what's next for our family yet. And it's, it's like a really sad, you know, letter. Like, I mean, you were fired the next day and Anyway, so it's weird how, you know, you're, it's like looking at it now, people are like, oh, the Noble Nine, you have a label, right? Like, that's cool. But it was a sad time in your life, I'm sure. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was sad. I, I would say more than sad, though, it was scary. 
um, it was scary because of the 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 consequences of speaking up. There 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 was real consequences, not just losing your job, not that, but like even like cultural shunning because of just the way the church functioned and the unhealth of the, of the organization. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a dark time. It was, uh, I, I look back at it now because it's been, man, how long has it been? It's been eight years now, seven, eight years now. I look back at it now and in some ways it feels like it was longer ago than that. And in some ways it feels like it was just like a year ago, uh, because of the emotional, I don't trauma is too strong of a word, I think, but the emotional turmoil, maybe I'll say, uh, of the situation, it, it still brings up, uh, it still brings up emotions. So, so I listened to that whole podcast, and Mike Cosper is a friend of mine. He did a great job with the podcast, um, but I didn't feel it until the second to last episode. That, that, that I didn't feel it personally. And, and maybe the reason why is because I was only there the last three years. And so maybe I didn't feel the beginning stuff because I wasn't there. But there was something. I don't remember what happened. There was something that 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 was brought into the podcast on the second to last episode. It was it was somebody was describing a meeting that I was actually in. And when the person was describing it, I could like picture myself there. I could feel it almost like I could smell the room. And I remembered I was laying in bed going to sleep. Actually, I wasn't sleeping very well. Obviously, uh, I had my phone sitting on my stomach, the podcast playing, and I could actually like I could smell the room that we were in. And I remember the feeling I had, and it brought up a lot of emotion. But the first however many episodes came before that, I don't know ten. I didn't really have much emotion other than just yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, so yeah, man, I don't know the title, the noble nine title. It's a, it's a, I would say this, it's a generous title for what really happened. What really happened was there was a group of guys who were um, also a part of the problem because we were a part of the church. Um, and we knew something needed to be said. So we said it, but there were also other people beyond the nine that would have said something also if they had the opportunity. And so the noble nine is almost like a, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's almost like a, 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 a very positive way to talk about the past, but in the moment, it didn't feel like the noble nine, right? It felt like stepping out on a ledge and doing something that is going to hurt really bad. Was the meeting like the, uh, just out of curiosity, um, was it the, uh, the like lead pastor retreat, the elder retreat that they talked about? Was that the meeting yeah. that brought back feelings because it just felt uncomfortable like as a as somebody listening Oof. to the podcast like wow i'm glad it wasn't in that yeah, room that was yeah that was it so we were at the the very last elder retreat in one of the most beautiful places that i've ever been in my life which is the resort suncadia in central washington and uh there was a there's something that was described on the podcast which was there was a, a, a an elder a, a specifically a marshall bellevue elder meeting called in the middle of an elder retreat so you have 60 plus elders, but just like 10 of us were called into a specific meeting and that was described in a conference room and like that whole thing, it blew up and somebody quit during it. And that was exactly the thing that brought back a lot of memories that was and our wives were like waiting in another room, wondering what the heck was going on and where we're all getting fired. And it was just such a, such a horrible time. That sounds horrible. Um, I, this this is gonna you don't have to answer this but like that's so far from being on your face you know uh at a young life retreat just worshiping jesus did you ever struggle with like 
with just did it did that ever tear at your faith at all um no the mars hill situation uh, yeah i mean I, we know you and i both know a lot of guys who are no longer in ministry and frankly have walked away from from what we believe and, and the excuse on the way out the door is well churches kind of suck you know like and so that's like a really familiar story and you're not one of those guys which i'm really proud to be your friend partly because of that uh, so it never it never was a, that wasn't a struggle no, no, it was not. Um, there was a lot of struggles with it. Walking away from the church or deconstructing, that was not, no, that was not ever on the table. And I think, man, I think the reason why is because there's a very, I gotta be careful. Man, I gotta be careful what I say here. I, I don't mean to disparage in a personal way anybody who has struggled in their faith because of the Marshall situation. There was abuse done. So I want to, I want to be careful to not impugn motives or reasons on why people have quote walked away. However, what I'll say is I think generally speaking, the, the, those who had a foundation outside of Mars Hill before they were at Mars Hill, it was easier for them to separate the church, the big C church, the universal church, the church of Jesus Christ and Mars Hill. Whereas, and you can imagine if you were saved at Mars Hill church, if you went there when you were 18, you were saved there. You were in a home group there. You're there for 10 years. Mark Driscoll is the only pastor you ever had. And then that happened. You could see how that would really, really rock you because everything you've ever learned about Christ has been from one church. And so I, I, I guess I get it, but there, there's a lot of people that have experience outside Marshall. They have education outside Mar Marshall. They were on, if they were on staff at Marshall, they were pastors outside of Marshall as well. And so when it happened, though it was horrible, it wasn't like, oh, well, everything I've ever believed is crashing down. No, 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 no. One local church because of sin is crashing down and that's it. This doesn't rock my faith. It, 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 if anything, it strengthens my faith because I know that Christ will build his church regardless of the sin of any local church. And so once again, I don't want to disparage anybody, but I have friends, many friends who have, quote, walked away from the church from this or, or hugely changed their theology. I struggle. I struggle with this. I have a hard time understanding at times why the sin of, let's just use Mark Driscoll as the figurehead here, the, the, the sin and the abuse and the, um, the, the, the messed up nature of Marcel and Mark Driscoll. How does that rock your faith unless you've put way too much faith in a man rather than in Jesus? And once again, I understand that sounds judgy and I want to be very careful here. But I'm going to use Mark Driscoll. His, I'm going to use his own words here to describe what I think happened. One of Mark Driscoll's sayings was, that which you idolize, you will demonize. And that rang true to me as I saw a lot of people walk away from the faith after this. I thought, okay, time out. If you are now walking away from the church, I'm questioning whether you really understood what the church was or whether you thought the church was Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill. I don't know.
when you were down in Arizona, I remember having a conversation with you. I was sitting in a coffee shop or standing. I don't know why I remember that. I was standing at a coffee shop in Wilsonville and you were like, we're having a PR meeting every single week. And you were so, you weren't like, you were just like frustrated sounding like, like almost like when you, at that point, it was almost like when your little kid won't stop doing something annoying. Uh, it hadn't gone so far yet where, you know, you're like, the crap has hit the fan, but you were just like, what the heck am I dealing with right now? Um, so I wasn't super surprised when things progressed uh, after that conversation. Chad, it's funny you mentioned that. I distinctly remember having a conversation with you while walking around downtown Phoenix. And by the way, if you've been to Phoenix, downtown Phoenix isn't that big. So I, I, I remember walking through downtown Phoenix. It's not that big, like the whole thing on like an hour conversation call with you. And what, what I remember what I was talking to you about, I was talking about this. Hey, listen, Chad, I'm going to try to get a teaching job at Corbin. And I'm wondering if I can also work with you at your church, if you can employ me to do something. And if I can do these two things, I can get out of here. I can move back to Oregon get out of the Marshall stuff and still, you know, do ministry. I remember having that conversation with you and obviously it didn't work out. Um, like the, what I had planned didn't work out, but, uh, I remember that conversation. Before I let you go and read to you a testimony submitted to me by a woman named Joe. She says in 1974, my son, Jason died the day before his second birthday. I was not saved, but later that year, a friend brought me to Jesus. I had no church or support after that. I spent years searching for love in all the wrong places. God brought a man into my life, and we were married, and we'll be celebrating 30 years together. Joe goes on to explain that she has seen God work in her life, and she's still faithfully serving him to this day. Thank you for sharing that story with us, Joe. I appreciate your vulnerability, and I'm so thankful that God has proved faithful following the tragic loss of your son. Again, if you want to share your story with us, go to testimonypodcast.com and fill out the form there. And finally, if you want to support this show financially, you can make a donation by visiting testimonypodcast.com and clicking on the big yellow button. Anything you contribute is helpful and appreciated. Thanks for listening.